Buffs Nation. What's going on? Welcome into another episode of the Buffs Nation podcast. It's game week. I feel like we've been waiting for this for quite some time, but it's finally here. Buffs open up this weekend against the UNC Bears. Jared all to my right. Jared, you excited? Game oh, one? I'm three days away. How can you not be yeah, excited? I said, that, I said this weekend, it's actually coming up on Friday. Friday, Friday night. Friday night. Exactly. I'm, 7 o'clock at Folsom Field. I forgot for some reason in my head this was the game that was in Denver. So I was just thinking, you know, great. It's awesome. not in Denver. Not in Denver. Oh, yeah. It's in Boulder. <laughs> it's in Boulder. This, who wants to waste a game in Denver on this, though? Look, I want to get back to hey, Folsom. No, I want to no, see no, Ralphie no. run. I want to get back disag- to the good old... No, I'm going to disagree with you on that. Why waste actually, a yeah, game right. against you? <laughs> Where you can be, you know, dominating the crowd in Boulder. Now you're just gonna load up with an extra thirty thousand A and M fans. No, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah, you uh, you win there. I'd rather do that there. But hey, let's get going. Let's get back up to to Boulder. Folsom Field, get Ralphie on in. New Ralphie, by the way. Ralphie six. Have we confirmed her that she is going yeah. to make the debut? Yeah, she'll I know, be there. I know Rick George backpedaled just a little bit. Did on he really? What yeah. did he say? I just I know on Twitter he kind of said you know it wasn't a hundred percent confirmed and this was maybe a week or two ago now. So. Well, and I'd almost rather have him run out behind nothing than chip again this year. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, I mean that wasn't I didn't like that at all. It's like let's not try it and recreate this whole thing. It goes from being the most thing. badass way to enter a stadium to like the biggest joke. Yeah. Entering a stadium. Well, I, I mean, everywhere right now, because look, everyone in the country does their best entrances, best best mascots, and Ralphie's always right there. I mean, it's the best start in college football, for sure. So, I, on today's show, like I said, game one on the horizon, we'll talk about the UNC Bears, what it's going to take to beat those Bears from up north. Shouldn't have too much of a problem doing that, hopefully. Uh, but a couple other things to get into first. And I want to start off with... Uh, uh, Pac-12 commissioner George Klivkov. How, how do you say this new guy's new uh, name? The new guy, you know. I think Ryan? you nailed it. Yeah, I don't do names. <laughs> I, it, so. It's Klivkov, Klivkov, Klivkov. I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> uh, he's doing a really good job. And he came out recently, said uh, Pac-12 not looking to accept any new schools. And so, with everything going on recently in the SEC and the expansion. Pac-12 is the first of the ACC, Big Ten, any, anyone else to say, we're not taking anybody new. So I think that's a good thing for other conferences. The Big 12 has a better chance of staying intact now. But for CU, you know, I think that there's more stability. This provides the stability. Just one commissioner coming out saying, no new teams, no new schools. I think it's a good thing for CU. Don't worry about the distractions. Don't worry about anything like that. Um, you know, So I think that we can just move forward and kind of forget about that this season. Yeah, I think it helps to settle what could it could potentially and i'm not even ruling it out still but could have potentially been a kind of crazy situation that was about to unfold in college football with obviously oklahoma and texas in the future leaving the big 12 for the sec if that crumbles everything changes there's a lot of uncertainty who who knows where cu ends up or what that looks like so this sort of holds that off at least for now i think it starts to settle the waters i wouldn't be surprised if you hear similar statements come out of the Big Ten, the ACC in the coming weeks. But, but this is what, exactly, that's the thing. They're going to follow suit, and it provides stability across the country, because now yes. places like Oklahoma State, it was rumored they were a big favorite to make it to the Pac-12. Now they can be like, okay, you know, the Big 12 is going to stay around. This is this is good for us. So I looked up the, the pronunci- uh, pronunciation, by the way. Klyavkov. Klyavkov. I think you got it. 
<laughs> Kliavkov for me a couple times. So there you go. I don't know. Uh, it's like a it's like a hockey name. Hockey season's right around the corner. That's for always sure. what this is like. But so yeah, I think that was just a uh, you know newsworthy that the Pac-12 coming out being the first conference to say no new schools, and if anything, it affects the Buffs in, in a positive way. Uh, and then actually one more piece of news here before we get on to uh, this week's game. Bishop Sycamore. Have you guys seen the story about yeah. Bishop so Sycamore? I, have, I haven't. Like I've seen <laughs> bits and pieces of it, but I don't really understand what's going on. So because I was actually watching that game. It's uh, apparently what's happening is this school has been doing this since 2018. Uh, I read a story of the first player they ever recruited to go there. And what they did was pretty much lie to high schoolers to get them to go there. They said they were the IMG Academy of the Midwest, that they were going to, you know, do the same thing all these academies do in high school for players. And it turns out that it's a bunch of failed college athletes, older people who weren't even in high school who just wanted to play. It was this whole really weird scam. So like semi-pro almost? Uh, just a collection of people who wanted to play. It was more like a club team. They just got together, wanted to play football, and sort of disguised it. A fake it till you make it kind of thing for a high school football team. And so they got on people's schedules. They created a fake address that didn't exist. They they, they sent out blueprints for some facility that was supposed to be built that didn't. It, it makes me think of that movie. I think it was called Accepted, where they just made up a, a college. Yeah. yeah. And like, <laughs> like, like exactly. seriously. And then it actually happens in real life. Like, who, I, who knew? I couldn't believe that it. That you could so. pull this off. I mean, that takes some major onions to do. But also, crazy. though, like, everyone is just, like, ripping them for, like, Kudos to you. Like, this is impressive. Well, I don't think anyone should be upset with them. What I was saying is that because on another podcast that we have here, part of the Woos Media Podcast Network, I do a game where I uh, come up with fake names of schools and we play real or fake. And it's a really fun game. And I was saying, if you're going to create a fake school, that's an awesome name. Sure is. It sounds legitimate. Bishop Sycamore. It's like, okay. Sounds like a good school, but anyway, I just want to throw it out there. Everyone's been talking but about it. How does so how does nobody that. like realize it? Like they have never been in anyone's conference or played any previous games against anyone, and they just showed know. up. I well, if know. you don't ask questions, you won't get answers. Uh, I mean, so. and, and people, I guess, were digging at ESPN, and I don't know. It's just it's it's funny. But not a good look for ESPN. Yeah, not, I, not I, a good look. I saw a clip today that it was like one of the announcers was like, "Yeah, we were told that they had X amount of D one commits, and we can't confirm that." At all. Yeah. <laughs> I felt bad for those announcers. Uh, I, I've done games where, you know, it's 40 to 0 at halftime, and you're just like, oh, can we just get this over with? <laughs> oh, and those are tough games as yeah. an announcer because you have to fill so much. Oh, it's so like a baseball game. Air. You start talking about people in the stands and what you had for breakfast that morning. It, it, it's not good. But. Well, before we move on to the bus, did you guys get a chance to watch uh, week zero at all? Yeah. I mean, I had a good time. Football was back. I, I, I couldn't understand why everyone's ripping on Illinois and Nebraska. I was like, I know it's not the highest profile teams, but it's a good game to start off with. And oh, I was, hate Nebraska. And, and I, I loved, loved that was so great Scott to watch for, oh, that. <laughs> that's actually why I brought it Woo, up. <laughs> that was beautiful, wasn't it? I mean, and I'm not a huge. Who cares about Illinois? I mean, so I much. was I was actually in I Arizona this Frost weekend. Fail. I was in Arizona this weekend with uh, my wife's grandparents, and uh, he is originally from Nebraska. Huge Nebraska fan. Jeez. And man, the the justification of things. The uh, he still even after them losing, and I brought up how it's it's awesome that that they're bringing back kind of the rivalry game with them every now and then. He goes, "That was never a rivalry." 
What an idiot. Sorry. I mean, but that's I'm just thing. like, come on, Grandpa. The, the, give me a the little The fan base credit. in general as a whole, they're delusional. They're terrible fans. Exactly. I got no respect for them, and I love seeing what happened to them the first week. I absolutely love it. But also, though, win enough games to keep Scott Frost around, because this seems <laughs> to be a beautiful disaster going there. All right. Uh, R- Producer Ryan, I don't know if I introduced you. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Excited How's, for, uh, uh, for some Friday Night Lights this week. I know. Uh, there you go. From Friday Night... Uh, that's a perfect segue. How did I miss that one, right? Friday Night Lights to Sycamore to yeah. Friday Night Lights here with the Buffs. Uh, let's get to uh, our segment that we do every week, though. This day in CU Buffs history. Uh, we do it uh, every week. And look, CU's got a rich history. A lot of good things have happened in the past. So it's fun to look back different years, different generations, and see what happened this day in CU Buffs football history. Ryan, what do we got for today? Yeah, so this uh, this little stat's coming from September 1st of 2007. Uh, CU and CSU play the first overtime game uh, in the series uh, with Kevin Eberhardt tying the game with a 22-yard field goal with 13 seconds left in regulation and then winning it uh, with a 35-yard attempt in overtime as CU won 31-28. Nice. First overtime game because... That's surprising that it took all the way to 2007. Well, that's because the Buffs just beat the heck out of the Rams yeah, every year, you know? Yeah, and then there was like those few dark years when Van Pelt was there that they actually, that CSU actually won a few games. Mm. Those are always and so much fun. 2007's about mm. when the, the tide turned back and the Buffs really yeah. started dominating that series. Who was the quarterback in 2007? Uh, it wasn't Joel Klatt. It was uh, I don't know. Klatt was two, 2004, I want to say. Yeah, I think he was a little Who bit was earlier. Oh, seven. Let's see here. Oh, that's a surprising one. Who? Bernard Jackson. Man, I don't even remember Bernard Jackson. Was yeah, he really? He was, he was very <clears throat> brief. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Oh, here we go. Cody Hawkins. Oh, so, no, uh, uh, Jared, it looks like uh, Bernard Jackson was 04 to 06. Okay. Uh, Cody Hawkins, <laughs> 2007 and 2010. No wonder. I, that was the I Hawkins years. I had to bring it up. Uh, you know, <laughs> I've actually heard some really interesting things. One of my buddies who was a walk-on years ago says that during the, or now when you, when you look back, the Cody Hawkins years are, I mean, they're not ignored, but they're just not really celebrated, as they probably shouldn't be. But he put up program, a lot of yards, really, a lot of stats. I mean, he did, but it, it's not just the Cody Hawkins era. It's the, the Dan Hawkins era, too. Yep. I mean, that intramurals, brother. It's the, it is sort First of a off, forgotten era. Pasta point. Jays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God! Look at look, this list of quarterbacks, though, man. Good list. Let's hope our boy Brendan Lewis fits right in here. All right, let's get to it. Uh, Buffs hosting the UNC Bears this Friday night. Uh, depth chart came out earlier this week, and we found it. Who who posted this? Brian Howell. Yeah, Jared? Brian Howell is the first one I saw on Twitter post this. Brian Howell does a really good job covering the Buffs. And some surprises here for the depth chart. So before we get into keys of the game, what it's going to take to beat the Bears, uh, any surprises here that you guys noticed immediately on the depth chart? Uh, I'll start off with one. Uh, Levante Chenault or Daniel Arias at the X receiver position. The buffs are so loaded at receiver. I mean, it's a good thing, obviously. And look, depth charts, this is just what you see on paper. Rotations happen, subs happen, things like that. This is not basketball where you put your starting five out there for a certain amount of time. But uh, Levante Chenault is primed for a big year. But Daniel Arias, the 6'4 junior, so talented. There's just not enough room right now, it looks like. Yeah, I'm a little surprised at that one as well. Although, I guess you will say, you know, he's a a fourth or fifth year junior now. And so he's kind of the guy with the experience. He's been around the block. Uh, never really had a very productive season. 
uh, as a buff. He's kind of always been the guy behind the guys getting a lot of time. So little surprise of that one too. The big surprise for me offensively is at the left tackle position. You know, we kind of just penciled Max Ray right automatically in there. Obviously, he's the transfer from Ohio State. Something's going on with Max Ray. There, there, there's some weird story because going back and looking at the history of Max Ray, his brother. I want to be careful here because he didn't quit high school. I thought it was a very good, legitimate reason why he stopped playing. And I actually support him for it. I back him up for it. And if a coach isn't taking your health seriously and you, you're having concussions and the right things aren't being done to, to protect you, stop. I completely agree with that. But when you start compounding things, the Ohio State transfer and then the brother leaves and then now they're both in, in Colorado and then his brother stops playing for medical reasons. I'm just not sure, you know. I would love to say that this is just part of it. He's going to work his butt off and maybe, you know, earn that spot. But it just seems weird. There's a lot of missing pieces with Max Ray, at least behind the scenes. And I want to be careful again here, but he just, I want to put it this way. If he suddenly looks great, earns a starting role, looks like an NFL prospect, I would probably be more surprised than if things tend to maybe go the direction they're going now. So Yeah, and it, it's hard to tell when you don't really get a chance to see, especially at the college level, you don't really get that peek behind the curtain to see really what's going on in practices in, in a lot of detail. So I think uh, it's very surprising to see the guy that actually is taking over instead, he's going to be the starter at left tackle, is freshman Jake Wiley. Yeah. He's a big boy, 6'6", 310 pounds. And uh, it'll be interesting to see lining up a freshman who, I mean, is listed as a, a, a true freshman, I believe, but obviously with the right. sort of year last year, uh, hasn't really had much playing time. So to put him out at left tackle, uh, going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, and the buffs are thin at tackle, so we will see Max Ray in there. And let's let's look for that, because that's something that we can all watch. How does he look? How does he adapt? How does he you know look throughout the game? And this is UNC, keep in mind. So it's not like they're going to be going against and the best athletes. The other thing to keep in mind, just as a reminder to everyone out there, that Frank Phillip is out. Uh, with injury right. right now, I think for upwards of six weeks uh, being talked, I, I, something like that. I thought it was less than that. I, okay. I thought it was three it, to four. You may be right. I, I'm just I'm talking off the cuff there. So, um, but that that's a part of why they're in this position right now as well. So let's give some numbers for these players. Jake Wiley, the left tackle, the starter, is number sixty. Max Ray, the backup, is number 72. So if you're watching from the stands on TV, maybe someone to keep your eye on there at the left tackle position. Uh, Ryan, anything jump off the page to you that kind of surprised you about the depth chart? Um, not really surprising. I, I guess left tackle, yes. But uh, you see Jake Wiley. He's a little bit more stout at 310. Uh, Max Ray is only listed at uh, 285. Yeah. The thing that I didn't realize um, – Chance Lytle's 6'7", 340. He's a big boy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, right. That is huge. And usually you tend to have you know your bigger guys on the left side. So yeah. I don't know when Frank Phillip comes back if that shakes anything up a little bit. Um, but he's a little bit too – I guess if you put him at guard, you know, he could be kind of that road grader type. But um, – but yeah, kind of, kind of what I expected, and um, you know, the biggest thing for me this year is, is hopefully we're not playing musical positions here again with yeah. our offensive line. Yeah, yeah. stay healthy, get, keep your guys ready to go. But um, I've got a couple more. So yeah, the, defensively, there's some well, prizes. Before well. we get to defense, um, so the way that the Buffs do this depth chart, and uh, it's not just the Buffs; it's other teams. But before the season starts, and even during the year, they'll, they'll list players, you know, player A or player B. And what that means is it's pretty much a one-two. They can't name one starter over the next or one backup over the next. At the running back position, obviously, Jerry Broussard, the, the starter. But to me, 
it was clear based on production a couple years ago that Alex Fontenot would be the obvious number two, the obvious backup. That's not how it's listed. It's listed as Alex Fontenot or Ashad Clayton. You guys were exactly right. We did the offensive preview. It's going to be Ashad Clayton getting the third most or potentially second, but I'd say third most carries on the team. And you kind of would have thought it would have been Jarek Broussard or Alex Fontenot as that starter, but Jarek Broussard exactly. is the established one, number one in there, and then you kind of have your 2A, 2B. Well, let's not forget what a productive season Alex Fontenot had two years ago. I mean, we were yeah. so excited for him last year, and that was one of the main discussions. Who's this new uh, Jarek Broussard kid? Is he going to be able to fill Fontenot's giant shoes? Remember that? Absolutely. And, and now and, it's and in like... In fact, we didn't even have Jarek Broussard as the for sure guy to, that was pegged to do it. And so now Ashad Clayton knocking on the door for this. So to me, this is a good thing. We talked about this last week. This is what competing good programs do. You load up on talent. You have these battles. But that was interesting to me, man. That's uh, It's not Fontenot is the clear number two. Ashad Clayton, the freshman, going to get some time. All right, let's go to the defense. Uh, what did you see, Jared? Uh, first and foremost, and it's specifically listed at top, and again, this is a, if you guys are on Twitter, find Brian Howell, find, find a lot of different guys that follow uh, that cover the buffs you'll find this depth chart but at the top they list the type of offense type of defense offense is listed as multiple defense listed as four three base which is not what they have ran uh going back to the former coach who shall remain unnamed um that was here with the buffs (laughs) uh they were running three four they have been running three four for a long time actually even going all the way you know back before that so under mcintyre they're running a three four so a four three base which you know, for those out there, as a, as a quick rundown, that what that means is you have four down linemen and three linebackers versus a three-four would be three down linemen and four linebackers. And that's surprising. And to it, me. what it does is it pushes Carson Wells instead of being in an outside linebacker position, he's listed at defensive end. And I do believe that's his best strength: rushing the passer, getting after the passer. He's a big guy. He's got the length. He he proved last year he could be productive. But I have to think you're missing a little bit if you're not dropping him in coverage every now and then. Now, I don't want to read too much into this. I think right. this is, again, more posturing than anything. This is your base defense. Most teams run out of non-base a majority of the time. They're running in nickel. They have extra oh, defensive predicated on what your opponent's things. doing. So don't be surprised if you're still seeing Carson Wells dropping into coverage. But it seems like they're more focusing his role specifically as a pass rusher. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, I wonder how the percentage of snaps we're going to see him with his hands in the dirt compared to, you know, roaming around. Yeah, and I do want to point out, too, that the Buffs do have a new defensive coordinator this year in Chris Wilson. He was the the D-line coach the last couple years prior to that, but he is a defensive coordinator calling the plays for the first time this year. So that could be a part of this change. This is maybe more his philosophy is showing. That's through. a really good point. And, and look, they're going to put guys where they're the most productive and most comfortable. So this is the one thing I always go back to. There's so many fans out there that love to be armchair quarterbacks or armchair coaches, you know, uh, uh, we're about to do a podcast right after this, Jared, where I'm filling in. And a little plug here. If you guys are Colorado sports fans, you're obviously listening to the Buffs Nation podcast. Uh, check out the Red Rock Sports Podcast. It's another good show, part of the Woos Media Podcast Network. But uh, one of the hosts on there, Connor Holdscamp, um, I mean, he he just sort of, uh, you know, he's, he, he look, he, he I don't want to say anything right now. I, no, I'm I know where you're careful. going and I love it. <laughs> I want to be careful no, take because it there. he's not you here to take himself. It there. <laughs> but... He acts as if he knows more than the coaches who spend all day and night 
risking their jobs and their livelihood picking starters. We're going to talk some Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke today, and I promise he's going to come in and say, this coaching staff doesn't know what the hell they're doing. I find that to be wildly irresponsible because we have to trust the coaches. We're not there. We're not at every practice. We're not in the locker room. We don't know what conversations are being had. There's a lot of missing information that we have as fans. So I'm not one of these people who's going to say, oh, you don't do this, you do this, and come up with these strict things of what I want to see my team do. You have to give the coaching staff a certain amount of leeway to do their job. So whether it's a 4-3, 3-4, they have starters in shuffled positions, it's not what we expected. There's going to be a lot of Buffs fans who say, why is Carson Wells a DN? He's a linebacker. He's better running around. He's better in... But look, we have to trust the coaching staff. Like you said, Jared, new D coordinator, experience on the D line. It's going to be a different, you know, maybe a different shuffled around look this year. So I, I completely trust the staff for whatever we see moving forward. And what this tells me from Chris Wilson is he looks at this defense and believes they need to be more stout up front, put more big bodies on the field in base and early downs when they're more likely to run the ball. There's a lot of a lot of that in the Pac-12. Um but also that he believes in his linebackers in coverage because it is going to put those guys in a position at times where they're in more covered spots. Guys like Nate Landman and some of the other, to me, surprise starters for the Buffs are Marvin Ham. Yeah, I can't believe that. And and again, you have a strong side middle and a weak side when you get to a 4-3 defense. So uh, Marvin Ham's listed as the strong side, the Sam linebacker. Nate Landman in the middle, no surprise there. And then as the Will, the weak side linebacker, is Quinn Perry ahead of Robert Barnes, who I believe all three of us thought he would be a, a penciled-in starter as well, okay. a guy that would be a big player for him. Robert, Robert Barnes at uh, the weak side, but also Jack Lamb at the strong side. Yes, yes. So, I, so I breeze right bo- over that. So both backups, uh, you know, both transfers, very talented, and that is surprising to me. I, I don't think that – look, I just think there's a lot of talent here. I don't think there's well, any messages or anything like that. And I, I think when you look at the transfer portal and the way these guys – Go about it, right? These are both grad transfers. These guys are, have graduated from college. They get are granted one extra year of eligibility based on you know their schooling and how the, how many years they've utilized. Um, when you transfer as a grad transfer, you're going somewhere expecting to play. And obviously, there's no promises made from coaching staff. But for these guys both to have come here, I think they both saw an opportunity to start. So, so to see guys like Marvin Ham and Quinn Perry, who have kind of gone through the process over the last couple of years with this coaching staff, earn those starting roles is big. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Jalen Sammy, nose tackle, no surprise there. Name Rodman, Terrence Lang. I mean, this defensive line is going to be good. It just depends on how we see Carson Wells operate. And then uh, the, the in the uh, defensive backs, I don't see anyone designated as a nickel. Who do you think is going to be coming and playing that role more often typically it's been a safety sliding down for the buffs but who knows this year yeah one thing that really caught me off guard on this and i want to look into more is chris miller's not listed on the step chart and um there's no star back there's no buff back listed in any sort on this again as their base defense that's something that you'll see utilized a nickel corner is is what tyler's uh referring right. to so yeah it, but it wouldn't be notified here but i mean sometimes they put the you know a little symbol next to the nickel back or something like that and there's just nothing indicating that but so i think you're probably looking at guys like nigel bethel i think that's a role where he's a real quick guy he's a smaller guy just listed at six foot 170 uh that's a role that that i think he excels in so he's a guy that may 
Fill what about that Curtis role? Appleton floating around a little bit out there? Didn't we see him last year a little he bit? He did. I think he had an interception last year uh, and was certainly on the field. So he's a guy. He's a bigger guy. Listed at 6'1", 190. So he's a guy that may fill in as well. Some of these other guys, Nico Reed, uh, freshman corner listed at the, the second uh, right corner. Uh, that's not a guy we've heard a lot about. No, and he's quick, too. He's one of the kickoff return guys. So he's going to be re- he's, he's real quick. Yep, there you go. All right, cool. Um, anything to add for the depth chart before we move on? Uh, yeah, I got something. Uh, just noticing, like, uh, you know, touching back on Jack Lamb, um, Robert Barnes, Jonathan, even Jonathan Van Deest. I mean, I know you are play the same position as Nate Landman, but um, a big thing that, that you always see with good – especially good college football teams is really good special teams because there's guys that are really good athletes that aren't getting on you know getting on as starters or maybe not getting as much uh playing time as they'd like to see Uh, but you know the alabamas the clemsons the oklahomas they always have really strong special teams um so i'm really looking forward to seeing how some of these guys contribute on on you know um kickoff coverage and punt coverage all right cool let's get on speaking of special teams i can't remember if we mentioned this last week or not but cole becker Listed as the starter ahead yeah, of Evan I, I Price as too. a place kicker. And actually two guys that are going to be taking over kickoff responsibilities. Look, Cole Becker is also 6'3", 220. Cole Becker, <laughs> I, I heard really good things about him coming out of camp. So, I mean, Evan Price has done good things for the Buffs, but whoever gives them the best chance to win, I'm yeah, all for it. For sure. All right, uh, UNC at Folsom Field. Buffs taking on the Bears Friday night, 7 o'clock, under the lights. Uh, like I said, at Folsom Field. So uh, let's get into it right now, UNC preview, and let's look at the opponents because this should be a game where the Buffs win rather easy, and we're not going to have many of these this year. This should be the only one. (laughs) We're saying the Buffs should absolutely get the win. Uh, For those who don't know, Ed McCaffrey, former uh, Denver Bronco, is the head coach of the UNC Bears. This is his first year. This will be his first ever game as head coach of a college football team. Max McCaffrey... Uh, another McCaffrey is the offensive coordinator, and Dylan McCaffrey is the quarterback. So I wonder if they're uh, related. It's a real family <laughs> affair up there exactly. in uh, Greeley. A lot of McCaffreys in Greeley, Colorado. And uh, look, I like what they're doing. I'm a big supporter of UNC. Whenever they're not playing the Buffs, I, I want them to do well, succeed. And this is such a different tone than playing CSU. I hate the Rams. I hate CSU. Their fans, everything they stand for. I, I just don't like them at all. I did radio up in that area for 10 years, and, and those fans are the most dilute. We talked about Nebraska fans. I mean, CSU fans, they don't think their team, they know their team is bad, but they're just as insufferable. Trust me. So this is completely different. I like UNC. I went there. Uh, you know, I think they've got a pretty decent team for the big sky, good receivers, pretty good defense. But this is a game where CU has to show up and show how good they can be. But UNC, you know, there's there's some exciting things going on there. Uh, Jared, do you have some maybe players to watch or some... Uh, well, I mean, the biggest thing that you got to look out for with UNC and and, and the Buffs had no idea when they scheduled this game however many years ago when Ed McCaffrey shows up a lot of guys are going to transfer in and they actually have 17 players on their rosters that have transferred from FBS schools wow so a lot of guys so that's something to watch out for this is not a game you can look past starting with Obviously, you mentioned already, quarterback Dylan McCaffrey. He was, what, a four-star guy? I have to think three-star, four-star guy coming out uh, of Cherry Creek? Uh, no, it was Valor. Uh, Valor, Valor. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And obviously, was went to Michigan. He is a senior transfer this year in. Uh, he is the biggest one to watch out for. Obviously, he's the one that is a legitimate FBS talent player. But several other guys as well. Uh, True Wilson is another guy transferred from Michigan as well. So that's a, a tandem that is familiar with each other, have worked together. And there are one, two, three, four receivers on this roster that have transferred from FBS schools, led uh, most notably by Dylan Thomas, who transferred from TCU. Okay, wow. How about that? So they got some talent up there. And Ed McCaffrey's going to know how to use them. I, I, I just sort of assume he's going to be a coach, know what he's doing, put some game plans in there. So I like Ed McCaffrey and what he kind of brings up there at UNC. But like I said, despite who they have, they're going to have some players here or there. There's going to be a couple guys that jump off the page to us. But this is a chance for CU to just go out there, take care of business. So what are your expectations? What do you think the Buffs need to do this game? What should they do? Now, my answer here, I think the Buffs need to have a big lead by half, come out in the second half strong, and then use the fourth quarter to kind of work on what they need to, get everyone up to game speed, get everything ready, kind of use this as a... I want to be careful, but use this as sort of a test for A&M. Okay, so get everybody on the same page ready for A&M. And you obviously want to take UNC seriously. You don't just want to go out there and treat this like some glorified practice. You want to go out there and score on offense, play very clean football. And on defense, you want to force turnovers and, and, and keep them off the board, obviously. But in general, get that big lead. I don't think necessarily even you know rest your starters early, but get everybody going. So I think that's the most important thing for this game. Expectations, blow them out, big win, and get everyone prepared for AM. Yeah, and I think just to kind of build off of that thought a little bit is uh, keep it close to the vest. I mean, there shouldn't you should not need to go deep into your playbook. I think I'd really like to see this running game established. Yeah. Uh, I think I guess the way I would word it is don't give A and M a lot of tape here. Don't give them a lot of idea of what to expect the following week. You have more talented players, and I, and I, I lo- really look to the trenches. Uh, something worth noting when you look at these uh, a majority of these transfers that have come in, the guys that are another caliber of talent. I mean, no offense to anyone else that's on the UNC roster, but no, you're right. Typically speaking, there's a reason why you're recruited there. Now there are you know. Very good players, I think potentially even Hall of Fame players that have come from those ranks. But most often you're getting a lower caliber of talent. And so some of these guys that have transferred in, most of them, skill position players. So I think Mm. the Buffs need to dominate in the trenches, get that running game going, and let that take you to victory. Obviously you want to see Brendan Lewis get comfortable in the passing game, get familiar with these receivers at game speed, but keep it close to the vest. Don't let AM know what you're going to get the following week. Yeah, All right, let, let's get to keys to the game. What what do we think are important keys to the game? What ensures a Buffs victory? And what do we need to see? Because I, I want to also put this out there to the audience. Most of our breakdowns and previews are going to be a little bit more in-depth than this and a little more detailed just because the teams we're going to be playing, i.e. AM, Minnesota, Arizona State, and every other Pac-12 team, they're loaded with talent. There's specific players to watch. There's NFL players to watch. This is just such a different game. We're not expecting any player to to be a thorn in CU's side. We're not. Ex- I mean, look, Dylan McCaffrey's a good player, but 
if we have problems with Dylan McCaffrey in this offense, it's going to be a long season to my point. So this breakdown is going to be pretty much focused on the buffs, what they need to do, keys to the game, things like that. So I don't think, again, they're going to have much trouble getting the win. So my keys are more around just what the buffs need to do, what I'd like to see this weekend. And my first thing is get Brendan Lewis comfortable, okay? Starting quarterback for the first time in his career, well, in college. So you've got to get him comfortable. I don't want jitters going into the A&M game. Get him ready to go. I heard a great story today. Uh, Kind of a left-hand turn, but it's about Russell Wilson. And it was after he threw the interception in the Super Bowl to Malcolm Butler. And, uh, well, was it Malcolm Butler? Yeah, 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 it was. And... What they did in the offseason is they said, we don't. We want to get out of town, get out of Seattle. The media's on this. The fans are on this. And they went to San Diego, and, and they found every fourth quarter drive, every fourth quarter winning drive that Russell Wilson had in his career, dating back to high school. And there were like 40 of them, 50 of them. Every morning in the offseason, they showed him these tapes, showed him these tapes, showed him these tapes, and reminded him what kind of a player he is. Next year, best year of his career, they win the Super Bowl that year. So my point here is, Ryan has a source in the locker room, really good source. We do as a show, and there has been talk about Brennan Lewis. Was it going to be him or JT Shroud? And after JT Shroud goes down, Brennan Lewis is not an idiot. He knows, okay, he went down. The coaches didn't give me this job. I won this job, right? So I think it's so important just from a, a mental point of view for Brennan Lewis to come out and tear it up throwing well, running well, get him going everywhere. So get anything that may be, and look, I'm just projecting myself on him because I know how neurotic I can be. Maybe he's fine. Maybe he's ready to go, which is ideal. But if he's not, every, he needs to know everyone in the state of Colorado is behind him. We are, but He's the quarterback of this football team. Get him going. Get him confident because this is a, a team that can beat Texas A&M. This is a team that can win the Pac-12 South and, and compete for a, for a championship at least in the Pac-12. But we need to see this from from game one. So I think one of the most important things, if not the most important, get your quarterback, your young quarterback, Brandon Lewis, going, zooming, feeling comfortable, and get that uh, get that confidence up. So, And I think you do that by taking some pressure off of him. And yes, you do need to get him throwing the ball, getting comfortable there, but I think by taking the pressure off, and I, and I mentioned it earlier, but to me the key to the game is getting Jarek Broussard going. And I think proving this offensive line that's a little bit different than we expected to see it come out, some injuries, some guys uh, moving on to the NFL that have changed some things along this offensive line, show that you can be as productive as you were last year. You should dominate UNC in the trenches. So get Jarek Broussard going early so that things are opened up for Brandon Lewis so he is not having to you know attack this defense on third and longs. Well, I was going to say get uh, Brendan Lewis. I was actually going to go a different way. So instead of getting Broussard going, I want to see them all get going. Sure. So sure. And I think running is going to be a much bigger thing. You open up everything with the run this game, but I actually think it's important to get a lot of these running backs involved, a lot of these receivers involved, and get them all going. You know, it's sort of the same idea with Lewis, right? Get the confidence, get that built up. So I want to see a lot of people getting involved and. I want to just kind of step on their throats early. Yeah, know? absolutely. I think, um, you know, getting Brendan Lewis to some confidence um, is going to be huge. Um, interested to see how they're going to share carries. 
um, between the three guys. And then um, this is kind of just a personal thing. I've always been a huge fan of his, but I'm excited to have uh, Brady Russell back. I want to see how oh, they for sure. utilize this young tight end room. How much are they going to use the tight ends? I mean, is it going to be a big part of well, this offense? Well, they have offense? like Will 17 they... of them. So <laughs> I think they should probably <laughs> get them on the field. That's my thing. Are they? Are we going to see any two tight end sets? Or are they going to be putting Four their... Four tight end sets. Are they going to be putting their tight ends, you know? Are we going to see a five receiver set with two tight ends on the inside? Kind of as H maybe, but... And, and it's worth noting that they're good athletes, the, the tight ends oh, that sure. they have. Yeah. There, there's nobody on their uh, tight end depth chart that's not a receiving threat. Uh, here I also have another one here for offense. Uh, play fast, you know. So it's kind of CU's new motto recently. Darren Shiverini's trying to get them to understand playing fast. You know, it's it's what they want to do. So I think that the Buffs can really get UNC on their on their back heels if they or on their heels if they just kind of play fast, play up to their level, play up to their speed. So that's important too. Uh, you got any more for offense? Uh, not offensively. I think defensively. defensively I want to see this defense get to the quarterback. You know, I want to see Carson Wells causing some. Problems in the backfield. I want to see guys like Terrence Lang and and Jalen Sammy doing what we've seen them do now for for a couple of years and causing havoc and uh, you know clogging that lineup and but mainly just getting to the quarterback, making uh, Dylan McCaffrey uncomfortable. And if you can, again, I, I feel like it's his Groundhog Day, but if you can't get to the quarterback against this team, what are you going to do against A and M, who's number yeah. seven in the country? So uh, you got to do that. What do you think, Jared? I, I think uh, more f- as we're looking forward to the season than, than necessarily this game, but I think Dylan McCaffrey uh, provides a good sort of test. He's a good runner, and I think you don't want to have to deal with a dual-threat quarterback. Now, I would actually say Dylan McCaffrey is actually probably more of a threat as a passer than he is a runner, but you don't want to have to defend both. And so if you can shut him down as a runner, the Buffs are going to see that a lot in the Pac-12. There's a lot of good athletes. There's a lot of guys that, uh, you know, are going to attack on the ground with their feet. So I think that's a good test for you to keep Dylan McCaffrey in check as a runner, watch out for the RPOs, those sorts of things like that. So this gives you, while again, it's it's a little bit of a almost... I hate saying this, but a preseason I mean, matchup kind of right? is. Like, and so don't... utilize it in that sense. You, this is the style of play you're going to see from a lot of Pac-12 offenses. So understand that and, and, and react to that. So I think shut Dylan McCaffrey down and prove that you are going to be able to handle some of these quarterbacks that you're going to face in the Pac-12 this year. You kind of mentioned earlier uh, the line. You got to win at the line. That's one thing I'm really going to look for. CU should be a lot bigger, a lot more physical at the line, both offense and defense. So that should be something we see. My main overall key to the game. Okay, I know we talked about playing fast, Brennan Lewis, all this stuff. We expect the Buffs to win. We expect the Buffs to come away from this game ready to go for AM. I want to see the Buffs stay healthy, but that's something they don't have a lot of control over, right? But that's one thing is you don't want any major injuries, but again, out of their control. One thing that's in their control, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, Jared, be as vanilla as possible. Get the reps in, right? Get these guys their reps. Get Brendan Lewis going. Get Jared Broussard going. But we don't want to give A&M a thing. I want it to be like, uh, have you ever heard of the story about Mike Leach when he worked at, I think it was Oklahoma, and it was the Texas OU game. And Mike Leach had an idea to leave a fake playbook out on the field when the teams were taking practice. And it worked. Seemed Mike, like something Mike Leach Mike could Leach do. left a playbook. <laughs> Texas found it. Hit it, you know, went into the locker room, started studying all the plays, okay? Tech, uh, OU comes out and runs these supposed play, gets in the formation to run these plays, and it was all completely different. It was, like, orchestrated to throw them off, and they ended up getting, like, a 24 to nothing lead. 
because OU kept changing their play and audibling into horrible defenses. And at halftime, whoever was coached back then, he's like, screw it. We're not going to yep. follow this anymore. <laughs> and so that's what I want Texas A&M to be like against the Buffs. I want him to say... What is this? We didn't see this week one. They didn't run this once. They have. They didn't come out in this formation once against the Bears. What is this? So that's what I want Jimbo Fisher to think when they're playing the Buffs. It com- to be completely new. Do what you have to do this week to get ready for A&M, but don't show them a thing. So to me, that's so important. Get in, get out, and get your job done. That's all I you like got to do. I like it. It's a good motto. All right, you got anything else to add, Jared, before we get out of here today? No, I think you pretty much covered it. All right. Once again, 7 o'clock Friday night, uh, Folsom Field. Oh, actually, Ryan, are we playing? Mu- no, let's let's not yet. I've got one more thing before we end the show. Uh, some instructions. So if you guys have questions about getting in the field, if you have anything uh, you're wondering, is it going to be different this year? Or are you going to have to... Uh, you know, the the mobile tickets, all that stuff. So we talked about the mobile tickets last time, and it's worth repeating again. Mobile tickets are available if you have season tickets on your email. So go to your email where your season tickets were sent. There you can download the tickets to your phone, or you can just take a screenshot of the uh, tickets and then uh, use that as well for... Uh, for the game, right? Because you don't have good internet at the game. So if you have a screenshot, then you'll be able to access the tickets much more easily. Also, though, I read that there's a new CU app coming out, and I'm pulling up right now the game day information. And all of this, by the way, is posted on cubuffs.com. So you can find everything I'm talking about right now on cubuffs.com. But uh, the tickets will be, again, um, all mobile. And there's actually an app. So what you can do, it's called the Buffs Mobile App. According to cbuffs.com, this new comprehensive app from Colorado Athletics and Sidearm is a one-stop shop on your device for all your CU Buffs news and information, live stats, videos, rosters, and more, as well as purchasing and managing CU Buffs tickets. So get the Buffs mobile app. You can buy tickets, hold tickets on there. Uh, Jared, you just pull it up. Pulls right up. You get, I have an Apple phone, Buffs mobile. Perfect. So get the Buffs mobile app. That's the easiest way to get into the game this weekend. Other notes for the weekend. Masks are required at any indoor place in the stadium. So bathrooms, the the, the field house, if you go indoor anywhere, you will need masks. Again, elevators, the, the Byron White Club level, suites, Arrowhead Touchdown Club. The Crawford Club, Varsity Club, uh, like I said, the field house, the indoor practice facility, anywhere indoors, you must have a mask, vaccination or not. Uh, the team will not have the buff walk this year. So if you'd like to go out to the buff walk, that will not be uh, going on this year, or at least this week. Stay tuned. That might change. And then if you're new, if you haven't been to a CU game before and uh, this is your first time, you need a clear bag. So uh, if you go, maybe you're, uh, you're bringing your lady or someone else who has a bag. It must be a clear bag if you go. So they need to see what's going on there. So just a couple notes I wanted to throw out. If you're going to the game, make sure to follow those instructions. 7 o'clock Friday night, Folsom Field. Let's go Buffs! We'll talk to you guys next week. Buffs Nation Podcast.